how does long-term coupling help you unpack what you think about coitus? What is sex positivity when you are a feminist? Also, is it easy being a slutty pumpkin? A special podcast crossover episode with the Feminist Bar podcast, which is now a year old. Congratulations! And this is basically life. Looking at how folks are sexing, loving, and living. And I'm your host, Tiff Mungo. Hi, my name is Tina Turmaka, and I am a digital storyteller, feminist activist, and host of the Feminist Bar podcast. That's Tina. Pronouns she, her. Tina is a Zimbabwean who is a badass lawyer, author, an activist, and a feminist digital storyteller. She also founded Feminist Voices Zimbabwe, an organization strengthening gender advocacy and access to justice through documentation and dissemination of information. Picky, 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 picky. It's the remix. She clearly loves info, this one. And also, if you love a good podcast, you have to check out the Feminist Bar podcast because she is also the host. And it's a platform making everything about feminism within with feminist powerhouses across the world. Okay. So wait, so are you recording or am I recording? We're both recording so that we both have the audience. Uh, so, okay. So now, see, I don't know. I think I'm recording. Can two people record at the same time? Yeah, they can. We do it all the time. Three people can record at the same time. Yeah, guys, after a while, it's just wild. You need to do the backup. One person's power could go. This is Africa. (laughs) Bruh, it's a mess. It's a damn mess. But we're starting this podcast, and I love this. I love the fact that we're collaborating. I love those, you know, crossover podcast things. Yeah. Because you're just like, ooh, the podcast world. So, babe, how do you usually start your podcast? Because, you know, now we're just here doing the things engaging in our lives how do you usually start your podcast babe? Um, and also what is your damn podcast let's probably start there okay so my <laughs> podcast is the feminist bar podcast and it took me a while to get to this greeting because i wanted it to be me but i also kind of wanted to have a little one-liner and then after a few episodes i realized that every episode i open with was good was popping what the fuck is going on <laughs> Welcome to the Feminist Bar Podcast, baby, with your host, Tina Tsuyamaka, a.k.a. Tina, a.k.a. the most unhinged feminist in Africa. What's up? No, I love that. That That is an intro. Also, the most unhinged feminist in Africa. You know, you've got some real contenders there for you, hey? There's some real contenders coming for your neck. But you have taken on that mantle. I love that for you. Thank you for coming. And I'm thanking myself for being on your podcast right now as well. Hi, yes, I'm Tiff. Thank from you for being Life. here. <laughs> Hello, I, I'm Tiff from Basically Life. And yeah, so we're just here doing a collabo. And I'm going to start the way I start by asking my guests, are you good? How are you feeling? Where's your heart at? Your mind, your soul, your genitals? Nah, I kid, but also. <laughs> you know what? I'm just doing my best, guys. <laughs> I'm waking up every day and I'm doing my best. I'm doing the best I can in this capitalist, misogynist world. Okay, I'm just surviving. But today in particular, I'm feeling pretty good. It's been a pretty productive day. When I am productive, I feel good about myself. I think what makes me feel good about myself is knowing that everything is going to be okay in the future. 
um, mm-hmm. just in general, no matter like what facet of life we're talking about. So when I'm productive, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm going to get paid and then everything is going to be okay. And then- <laughs> but, but the thing is, and you can keep your nice things. Exactly. And for a minute there, you can keep your nice things. Exactly. So it's been a productive day. And, mm-hmm. it's, and also because it's a Monday. Well done for having this feeling on a whole Monday, hey? Thank you. Mondays are not amazing days for me, but today was really different. And that was, was positive. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's going to be... Oh, and I'm also like in the middle of editing my one-year anniversary podcast episode <gasps> of The Feminist Bar is a year. Um, Congratulations! Thank you. Yes. So... <laughs> So I'm in the middle of doing that. And it was really nice because I had like three like listeners come on and just talk about their favorite moments of the year, their favorite moments in the podcast. And so I was then going back to those episodes and like listening to those snippets and I was just like, oh, like, yeah, this was banging. Like, this was so much fun. And it was just like a really nice reflective sentimental moment for me. And that made me feel good, which is nice because, you know. Like I said, it's a capitalist misogynistic world. Every drop of goodness makes my little heart beat. You, you, you've just got to find all the goodness. Mm-hmm. Look, you know what? I throw you props. I think my podcast is over a year old, but I didn't notice. So that's fun, right? And then when I saw you were doing like an anniversary episode, I was like, damn. I'm like, okay, I'll do 50 episodes. 50 yeah. episodes. And then I will do an annual because it's too late now. I can't start backtracking and being like, hi. Um, so guys, one year people will be like, you're a liar though. <laughs> you can do a reflection episode anytime you want. No questions okay. asked. And whoever okay, wants so to ask you something, they can come and answer it to me. <laughs> I'll send them to you. I'll be like, Period. if anyone wants to talk to you, <laughs> this is where you must meet her in Rosebank. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to talk to you okay so like we must jump into the podcast and you know i'm gonna have to ask you about your sex my baby because we're here to talk about sexing and being feminist and all those things okay. so i think i want to ask you i had the first question but then i'm like eh, i don't want that question anymore i want to know how did you learn about sex right because i always find it so interesting the different weird avenues people yeah. have for learning how did you learn about sex yeah okay I know exactly how this happened. Um, <laughs> so since then, I'm 11 years old, going on 12. I'm in grade seven. Um, and at this time, obviously, this is like really tragic. Well, the beginning of this is really tragic. But we had a girl who was in our grade who had been assaulted by one of our grade seven like teachers. Right. So this would happen. Obviously, like we were the kids, we didn't know about it. We didn't know what it meant or anything like that. But at some point, like the teachers just started being like very careless about the story. You know how I want to say African men and pick me older women are and that it just became something like, oh, you must be careful. Otherwise, like what happened with Mabel and Mr. Ningi will happen to you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, as in exactly. throwing it around like that, not even exactly. like a gossip thing. Nah, as in now like, using it as, as a cautionary tale. Exactly. Period. That's oh. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No. And not long after that, we had like some kind of religious group come and like mm-hmm. make us sign all these little like documents about, oh, I'm going to abstain, I'll be a virgin until marriage. Um, and they were showcasing all of this 
propaganda, all of this religious propaganda. And it was just so weird. But anyway, like it was a lot going on in this year. It was like, it's a collective of, of little memories when I think about how I started learning about sex. So that happened. And then that same year, um, my mom let me have a TV in my room, right? Um, so now I was like, you know, always in my room watching like BTV, SABC, ETV. ETV. Um, I was waiting for the ETV. <laughs> so because, you know, I also now at this point had a phone, right? So I was basically staying up late and then I kind of happened upon all of the stuff on ETV. So not to say that like previously I didn't know that sex existed or I had it somehow thought about like my sexuality and my life because obviously socialized at a young age, liking boys from like age like 11, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, ETV kind of put to picture all the myths and all the whispers and all the, you know, like all, all the little things finally came together in one to be like, this is the sex. This is a penis. This is a vagina. Penis goes into this is what body. happens. This is what sex is supposed to be. This is what it's uh-huh. supposed to look like. This is what a woman is supposed to do. Um, and this is this is what it all means. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So you you did the TV route. Did you ever do that like weird thing where you like have like random hookups with like other, so you know, not quite quote unquote sex. So I like to give an example, right? So I had this, I knew these twins and then I stumbled on them. So I'm from Kenya and I knew these twins. And when we were really young, we used to play hide and seek. And the more dominant twin would make the other one always look like after a while sis be like why am I always the seeker and then we would just kind of go and like make out and like touch and things and like I don't think we quite knew what but like actually realized some of my first experiences were actually very queer experiences so like that that was the vibe and then when I got older to around 11 and stuff we used to have these like sleepover parties which in hindsight seemed like a really bad idea because they were mixed and people would just be like making out but like clearly not very well because we're 11 and what do you know did you ever have experiences like that so on that I want to say I was kind of early to the party then I was late to the party so again in this year that all of this stuff was happening grade seven this is when I kissed a boy for the very first time it was like the last day of school and him and I were dating in quotes and he was leaving I was leaving obviously he didn't know when I was going to see him again and obviously he initiated it it was terrible story of most women's lives um, Bruh. <laughs> And you know what? That's that's really great because it'll lead me to my next question, but finish the story. <laughs> and then after that, like I never did anything again with the boy until I was probably like 15 going on 16 is when you like, were just like, it's a hard no for me. Yeah, that was the that was the next time I like made out with the boy. And I didn't, you know, discover and like experience my queerness until I got to uni because you know I grew up in Zim I lived in Zim I didn't even know that you know it was an option 
to like be it, you you were not given the full menu yeah. for the buffet. I was like, you know, one of millions unsus- one of million unsuspecting victims of compulsory heterosexuality. Ah, gang gang. A <laughs> 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 oh, mess. A oh, mess. Okay. Wait, so like so because compulsory heterosexuality is a scam, right? And it keeps us in bad sex boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm presuming, is sex good for you now? I, like, is sex good for you now? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, though, like anyone else, like I'm ever evolving, like every year, every couple of months, I figure out something new that I like or figure out, like, actually, I used to like that and I don't like it anymore. Um and just realizing, especially being someone who is in a long-term like relationship about like going on like, oh, two, yeah, years, two years now, that like your relationship with sex is like it comes in like many different like shapes and sizes. And you have also like different times in your relationship, and that determines like what what kind of sex you're having. And that's yeah. It okay. could go on. No, you see, on, this is on. This is this is why having podcasters on a podcast is so nice because now I can just ask you a question about that, right? Like, because my question to you was going to be like, how did you start figuring out your sex? But now it leads me to like another point of like sex in a long-term relationship and having to marry that and navigate that because I've been with my partner for 12 years. It's oh, our 12 year in June, right? And guys, the faces and phases and mismatching and you know there was a there's a period now where like she got into kink but like two years before me and then also <laughs> like then exploring non-monogamy and then it's all a whoo it's it's a lot right it's yeah. a lot it's a lot it's, it's a lot so, so much there is so much so how do you and your partner navigate your different faces and phases and spaces that you're in like within your sexual journey to be honest with you i think it's only recently that we are starting to be very aware of all these different phases because obviously kind of like we were in our relationship everything's great you're having sex all the time and then you that move, new relationship energy exactly and then you move in together and then you have that newly moved in relationship energy right delicious exactly that's just that freedom like oh my god so you live here like oh my god like live here like you're always i can touch you whenever exactly shower here literally (laughs) your clothes are here you know what i mean yeah and i think only probably like late last year maybe december and coming into this year is when we've really started to be like yo there's actually like so many different phases of how you can feel sexually and how you can be relating to sex and how are we gonna how are we gonna navigate that and how are we gonna figure that out because also I think even outside of navigating whatever is happening in our relationship sexually right we are also two different people that are leading two different lives have two different perspectives on things so yeah we're navigating this thing but I'm also navigating my own sexuality right yeah uh, I'm asking myself questions and challenging things like that I think I knew about sex so it's like and, and having to unpack that and the yeah. thing about with doing it with a with a person who you're in a long-term thing with right is that you have to be a lot more intentional about the conversation you have yeah. and like and there has to be kindness because like the way you said this person lives here now 
right? Yeah. And they are your forever person. And whereas, so like that, that's going to be my next question to you. But so like, whereas with somebody who is not like, you know, your long-term partner, you can, not to say that you should be messy and just be like, I'm just going to be plodding through. But there's right? no duty of care. Like the only responsibility that you owe in like mostly casual situations or just sexual situations is to yourself. You need to take care of yourself first. But then at some point when you reach kind of like when you get into a relationship, even at the beginning, it's like look out for yourself. But then at some point, it's like you have to look out for the next person in everything that right. you much as you look out for yourself. So just that 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 duty of care is what you're talking about mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's tricky, right? It's tricky because like the way I said, um, so like the way I've told you that I'm in Cape Town right now and I'm I'm doing a well, it's pause now because I'm trying to bring myself to myself, but I had my little slutty pumpkin phase, right? <laughs> and I was just in the Cape Town streets being a slutty pumpkin and it was very fun. But then there was just an ease to it because there wasn't that pressure of having to think about what this sexual thing could mean for like the rest of your relationship. Because the thing about sex is, and about relationshiping is it doesn't exist in silos right? So everything is completely intertwined and completely engaged and things like that. So how do you guys, so now that you guys have started being intentional about it, like how are you guys having these sorts of conversations? Because that's something a lot of people ask, holler, they're like, how do I talk to my partner about the sex that I want to have? Because that is part of like the sex positive thing, being able to like understand and articulate and not always articulate, but like semi-understand so how do you guys have those conversations yeah I think (laughs) I think now (laughs) we just have them especially if like it's we're watching something sex comes up it's an easy gateway into talking about something and a conversation I think that we've been having a lot lately the most frequent conversation we've been having I think maybe for the past three months is like what what is it that gets you there because we watched love sex and goop right and they were talking about the different they were talking about the different ways in which people kind of like relate to sex and the different ways that people get turned on and like some people need you know the touch of it all some people simply are turned on by the idea of sex and that is me right i don't need a lot of theatrics it's enough for me to envision what i want for me to be ready to do it, right? You're like, mm, I, I see it in my mind. I <laughs> and, feel it in my I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Exactly. And I think for all this while, I just assumed that that's everyone, right? That the mm-hmm. thought of something sexual or the visual of something that usually turns you on is enough to begin the sex, right? Only mm-hmm. to then unpack these conversations with my partner and realize that, she doesn't relate with that at all because for her okay. she needs it to lead up to something and in that leading up to the sex that thing that leads up to it does not always need to be sexual for her okay okay so different ways of getting there exactly. has been the conversation right now that, but that has like different implications, right because mm-hmm. that means i might you know, see something on TV and just kind of be like, oh, let's do it. You know, I'm trying to be spontaneous. I'm trying to be fun. And first kind of like, uh, that's not spontaneous, uh, nor fun. <laughs> 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. 
You get it? So I think it takes these kind of little moments sometimes to be like, oh shit, okay. So this is the difference. And then finding kind of a meeting place. So that's kind of how we've mostly been trying to talk about it at the moment, because I guess that's what we are currently figuring out. Okay. Because yeah. there's always something to figure out. Guys, long-term relationship, bon chance, like, like, like the one part you have to look out for is that time when you're not having sex and then people start, don't freak out. It'll be fine. Like, and then I've, I've seen couples be like, we're not having sex. We should break up. I'm like, child, no. Like yeah. there's better reasons to break up than not having that sex. That is, first of all, like... <laughs> People should kind of be having less sex. <laughs> I am starting to feel, okay, because, and I just did an episode about this, about how, like, good sex clouds your judgment. And so yeah, 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 100%. So sometimes you're having too much of something that is clouding your judgment and you're no longer thinking straight. In this, like, particular context, we were talking about um, women staying in relationships with this heterosexual men only for the good sex when there's really nothing else serving them within that relationship. But the point I'm really so like, trying to make, these women are dickmatized type. Exactly, basically, basically. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in this context, I just I feel as though the amount of times you have sex, I guess the quality of the sex in your relationship doesn't always necessarily speak to the quality of the relationship and yes i know that good sex is a big component of a relationship right because obviously i wouldn't do my part in that if you know i wasn't thanging but it's like what you're saying now i don't think that like how frequently you're having sex speaks to the quality of the relationship and I think that's something that we've kind of been socialized into believing that like, oh, sex is this, right? We have these limited perceptions about pleasure and about sex and about even what like sex positivity is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're not having sex with your partner, but you love him so much and this person takes care of you. And it's not like, and you take care of them and you're so compatible and it's so amazing but you haven't had sex for two months, so the relationship is over. I'm just not really understanding what you're buying and how much you're buying it for and what the product mm. is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah. don't really get it. And but, yeah, I don't know. That's just me, though. Like, but like, it's all that thing, right? So you, so you see, this is where the podcast gets feminist because I... <laughs> I'm here at the feminist bar getting a drink. Um, But like, it's that whole idea of like the obligation of sex and the transactional nature, right? Mm -hmm. And how that has managed to sort of like dampen the idea or even suppress the idea of pleasure because sex becomes this obligatory thing. And especially for like femmes and for like women to have to give this thing, yeah. Like this, this, this thing called sex. Yeah. Otherwise, you're their relationship. that's the narrative, right? Yes. Like if you're not giving the sex, then you will get cheated on. And yeah. like, even like being asked, like, you know, when somebody cheats on you, why did you, like, why did they cheat on you? Asking you why they cheated on you. But if you, yeah. but you as a woman or a femme person cheat on like your more masculine presenting person, all of a sudden people are like, how could you do that? Yeah. Why are you stepping out? Because it's like all comes back down to that idea of 
who owns sex? What we're using sex for? Is yeah. it recreational? Is it to keep your husband? Is it mm-hmm. to make sure he doesn't have a small, small baby? <laughs> like, what's that thing? It's just a yeah. small, small child. A small sex, is, sex is for patriarchy. Sex is for patriarchy. Pleasure is for patriarchy. So we're not supposed to be having sex. Our bodies are simply for giving birth and the pleasure of men, right? Mm-hmm. So that is why mm-hmm. you are not sharing in something when you have sexual intercourse with a cis heterosexual man, but you are giving something and he is taking something from you. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, like you'll have men cheating again because of patriarchy right that inherent privilege of thinking that you can center yourself in everything and get away with it right Mm -hmm. and you'll have someone looking you in the eye and telling you like oh like I cheated on you because you didn't have sex with me for a week and it's sort of like wait what and you're just like so (laughs) that is the reason you've cheated because I didn't have sex with you literally you didn't even ask if I need sex if I want sex, if I'm enjoying the sex. Also, if I'm okay. Also think, if I'm okay. If I'm okay. Okay. So actually, that, that, that actually leads me very nicely into the first thing. You, it's practically interviewing yourself. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. But like, so, you've, so you've messed around with dudes in the past, right? Mm-hmm. I presume. Mm-hmm. Right? How has it been like, what has it been like navigating sex with a cis head man? I don't even know. Like, it's, for me, it's been so damn long. I was asking one of my friends if dick comes with Wi-Fi now. He was like, no. And I'm like, ah, all these years and there's no upgrade. And you guys are causing all of this trouble. It's the same it's shit. It's same still shit. Nokia 3310 over there. Period. <laughs> shit. You drop that thing, the battery falls out, the phone call is still running. True. But at least, it, you know, it's sturdy. But yeah, so what, what has it been like navigating that i think that in the beginning i was doing fine right like because i you know i wasn't really in touch with kind of my place in the world and feminism and just kind of seeing the impact of patriarchy in my life so i was just kind of like winging it doing what doing what i thought i was supposed to do right performing the limited Definition of womanhood. Was <laughs> it <laughs> <And laughs> being woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think somewhere around like my first and second year, and I write a little bit about this um, in my book, The Men I've Hated, um, that when I kind of started sleeping with men, like when I started, that is also kind of like when my feminist journey began. And it almost felt as though like I had to be this amazing person who loves like everything they were doing in the bedroom, who, but at the same time was this modest hun, but at the same time, like I could be freaky deaky, like I had so many expectations and they could just show up and fling their dick. You know so I mean? you had to be the Madonna and the whore and literally, some of other, like, friends. Literally. And he was just turning up being like, I brought dick. Exactly. And I think I started to see kind of the differences. I kind of started to see like, okay, you you don't feel like you have to do anything else because you're the man and you feel like I'm, 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 I'm the lucky one to be here. Like in your head, I should just be happy to be nominated. Do you know what I mean? And that just kind of started putting me off. And I want to say that I think for the three four years that followed that it was me 
starting to no longer even give the time of day to certain people and me caring more about the energy than about the attraction because I think even just the way that we've been taught to like kind of think about desire and what do you do when you find someone attractive what does it mean to you when you find someone attractive it's always kind of been this carnal ravaging savaging just rip it so I think I kind of started to shift from that and gravitate more towards people that I felt like I had shared values and things in common with but even mm-hmm. then that kind of became increasingly difficult the more I want to say kind of like intersectional and radical in quotes I became and like at some point I was like I literally you niggas are so ashy you know what I mean <laughs> I, can't, I can't with I can't with all this you're like I cannot with this I can't, can't but and somewhere in between those couple of years I you know started dating women started dating women started exploring and practicing my queerness and I started feeling very, very guilty about okay. my attraction to men. Like I started feeling so guilty. I started feeling so guilty about it. Wait, because of your queerness and because you were going into your queerness, you started feeling guilty about your attraction to men. Exactly. Not, not about being queer. Wow, plot exactly. twist. So I plot think twist. I was like navigating that like feminist side of me that was figuring out all of these different little nuances not all like the big topics that we talk about like gender-based violence and what were but I was seeing the small things like oh my god when I sleep with women I don't even care about like the hyperpigmentation and then my armpits like why is that why is it that men have made feel bad for this like just these small insidious things so raging about those things figuring out my queerness, but still being attracted to men, I was imploding. Do you know what I mean? And there was just so much yeah. guilt. And I didn't know how to express that. And I didn't know who to talk to about that because I didn't feel as though I had anyone around me who could understand. And... Did you have a lot of queer friends at the time? Or I like, what was your not. what was your circle? I did not have a lot of queer friends at the time. I'm one of those people who only had cis heterosexual friends. So at the time that my queerness started, I also was losing a lot of friends at a very quick rate, you know? So where were you at this time? Were you here? Were you in Zim? Where were you at? So at this time, I would say this is between like the end of high school and my time at Rhodes. And oh, you're a Rhodes baby. And a Vitz baby. And then and a, Vitz a baby. little bit of my time with Vitz as well. So, <laughs> yeah, like I would say just like guilt is the thing that I've just kind of, that I struggled with the most. And it was actually only recently that I really kind of started confronting my sexuality um, and just realized actually it's not just like men and women that I'm attracted to, right? I'm attracted to everybody. So... Mm then coming to terms with that and maybe still the thought process is kind of flawed but then feeling like oh like I don't have to feel guilty about this because I'm attracted to everybody like if I'm attracted to everybody like like, this whole men thing it's it's got nothing to do with anything okay I'm just no it doesn't like it's it's part of the spectrum it's part of the vibe exactly It, it doesn't speak to like a bigger problem that I have that I need to fix so 
And even saying that, it makes me realize that I still have so much to like think through and figure out and, 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 because yeah, I'm ever evolving. Also, that's, that's actually such a wildly like powerful and like quite discombobulating thing to bring up, to be like, actually, I struggled with my attraction to men because now you're coming into your feminism and you're coming into your queerness and all of these things are supposedly telling you that men are not the one for the trip, right? Like they're there and they're being the most and you're here being queer and also everything you know about the patriarchy and everything you know about being socialized exactly. and attracted to men and things like that. And you're like, mm-hmm. am I not fighting the system in my own body, <laughs> right? Because I've had this conversation with straight women where they're like, like, this is how you know sexuality isn't a choice because we as straight women look at men with everything we know, with all of our guy friends who've done the most, with all of our like absentee fathers and everything and everything and everything and all this mess and also heartbreak after heartbreak. And we're like, I would still allow you into my bed. And you just, and that struggle. And like, and the fact that you are now having to actively like unpack that, that is like part of the sex positive journey, right? Like having to sit there with your desires and your wants and understand them. And I think like the idea that you're understanding them with an entire framework can't be easy. Like it cannot be easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just having to sit with that. I don't think it's fair, you know, that (laughs) (laughs) some people (laughs) have to, some people get to kind of experience their sexuality journeys and all they have is, kind of themselves and figuring out like what's within and like though it may be confusing kind of putting word to that and figuring that out and I'm like you know the kind of work that I do like I you know I have all the feminist texts in my phone yelling at me I have all the discourse so you, and you and you are you a twitter baby do you do the twitter streets thing <laughs> where you're reading all the all the convert guys I can't do twitter do you no, also have I'm the twitter actually- streets <laughs> Well, I'm actually like a gender and feminist consultant. So I do a lot of um, like project implementation in the international NGO space. Um, And like most recently, actually currently, I kind of work like as a gender think tank. So working- A whole think tank. Yeah, literally think think tank. (laughs) I literally get paid to come and tell people what I think we need to do moving forward in terms of gender. No, I love that for you. I freaking so, love that for you. That work, and that's the work that I've been doing for the, like ever since I left uni, right? That work forces me to kind of be very intentional about like my intellectual life. And I think that kind of now when you're trying to figure out your queerness personally, but now you're thinking, this person wrote about this. And remember, they were saying that, that, oh shit, that's what this is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And now you're sitting there and you've got texts and you're referencing exactly. and you're looking and exactly. you've done a lit review of your exactly. own sexuality. Literally. You have had to do a literature review of your own sexuality, my baby. Period. It's like you kind of like in, intellectualize your feelings and these very personal and very intimate things mm-hmm. that are going on with you. But I wouldn't say that that's been kind of like too much of a problem because I just keep trying to remind myself to 
you know, have the kind of feminist sex that I want to have. You know what I mean? Nice. Uh, yeah. So most recently for me, I think on the sexuality journey, that has meant challenging everything that I think I know and challenging everything that I think I like, challenging my own preferences and why those are my preferences and why I think that way. And mm -hmm. just not taking things for what they are. And I think that's what I love the most about being queer in the queer community, because you would never hear a cis heterosexual person talking about a sex negotiation. You would never hear a mm -hmm. cis heterosexual person asking someone, oh, like, is there somewhere on your body that you're uncomfortable being touched? Is there something mm -hmm. that, you know, do you have a hard boundary, you know, with this? Or, is there something know, in the past that could possibly trigger you? Like exactly. having yeah. those sorts of conversations. Those conversations and those conversations are kind of central to the queer community. And I don't think a lot of, cis heterosexual people are having them but i think that the straights they, are wilding yeah it's a jungle <laughs> over there <laughs> and i just think that those conversations are they just don't make like sex and pleasure better but i think they make us better people because within yeah. doing those things you introspect you ask yourself you those same questions and you know <laughs> Honestly, guys, the definition of indoctrination is literally taking things for what they are without challenging them. Do you know what I mean? And I think we, as the world, are really just having sex like that. You do whatever you've seen in porn, and that's what sex is, and period. And I yeah. think that's why a lot of people are not enjoying it. Close the orgasm gap, I'm always saying. <laughs> ah! I love that close the orgasm gap oh my god okay you know what me i'm all out of questions i feel like i've sapped you for proper wisdom is there anything else that you want to say before i ask people where to find you in these internet streets oh my god can i just tell you like this episode did not end up being what i thought it was going to be i think we had no, a whole nothing on basically life ends up the way it's supposed <laughs> to be or holla you know you could have you could have told me that <laughs> <laughs> it goes left at the last right always standard i write uh, the questions for fun it's like it's like a thought exercise while i'm having wine at a bar i'm like let me write questions yeah it always goes uh, left what, yeah. like you did, what did you think this episode would be <laughs> now i feel like the listeners must know i think <laughs> that it's a trap <laughs> <laughs> i think i thought we would speak more generally and it actually ended up being like quite personal yeah no that's that's literally the nature of holla you cannot come into this <laughs> house like and i always warn people i think i didn't warn you enough like there's something up people always come i've had i've had guests who've written notes right whether like i've given them the questions and they like come next thing you know they're like yeah so the first time i got spanked it was like this nigga and like I, he ah! and i'm just gonna some type of way and now he come over and i'm like yes sis you must leave us the tea all of it <laughs> All of it, because that's literally just holler. We're I just, love it. We're just here to be your best friend. <laughs> I love key, it. Key. It felt kind of like it was very therapeutic, actually. Oh, I love this. <laughs> so now we're meeting when, when I come back to Joburg for drinks. Please. You know we're going to meet, right? Yeah. When, okay, you know, we'll talk about that after. We'll, we'll talk when about we... this after the episode. But like to wrap up, where can people find you in these streets? Okay, so for those of you that are listening from the Feminist Bar, of course you know where to find me, but let me perform for these other listeners for a second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you everybody for tuning in to this amazing platform. It was so fun. It was so amazing. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Makatinatswe on Twitter because that's why it's busting and banging. The discourse is busting and banging over there. Um, you can... <laughs> You can follow the podcast at the Feminist Bar podcast at the Feminist Bar. Just search that. You'll find it, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter. And there you'll kind of be updated about all the episodes that come out. We talk about all things feminism. We make everything about feminism. That's literally the tagline, making everything about feminism, whatever. Even if it's a cookie baking, I can patriarchy. You know what I'm saying? So... Follow me, follow the podcast. Um, I think that if you love this platform and you enjoy this platform, you will even remotely be interested in some of the conversations that we are having over there. So yeah, that's me. And I shall put all of this in the show notes as per usual. And so I feel like I must now perform for your peoples. Thank mm. you so much for coming through to our little collabo. Um, you can find me I'm not on, 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 on Twitter, guys. You can't, you can't find me on Twitter. I refuse it in Jesus' name. I refuse it. <laughs> but you can find Holla on Twitter at, um, at Holla Africa, H-O-L-A-A-F-R-I-C-A. Um, find us on TikTok. We have fun on TikTok at, at Insta underscore Holla. And come find me on Instagram. I post memes, guys. I post memes. I'm very serious about my meme posting at Tags Mugo. But yeah. Like, and then we're all over the internet streets. You, you'll find us. Don't worry. Yeah. But you won't miss them. You won't miss them. Hi, baby. Thank you for doing this with me on this, like, South African evening on a Monday. Yeah. And I just love you for it. Right? Look, I love going on to other people's podcasts. So guys, you need to invite me onto your podcast. I will be such a jam. So, you know, this honey invited me onto her podcast and now I've got a brilliant new friend. Also, I love making friends, right? I love making friends. But anyway, one thing we did discuss on this was sex positivity. And I need to just start from the jump. In my research, it feels like sex positivity has gone through waves, right? So like, you know, it started and then people were really, really stoked and then people weren't stoked and then people were stoked again. And now apparently Gen Z are not about that sex positive feminism, according to this Guardian article. So guys, if there's any Gen Zs listening to this, don't cancel me. I'm still on the right side of history. Forget y'all. <laughs> so anyway, so much of the basis of the sex positive movement, according to this article, much of the basis of the sex positive movement has been essentially shame-free sex, where people can, with consent, pursue their sexual desires. And some are wondering if it's all it's cracked up to be. Because folks are unpacking if this let's get freaky down and dirty actually serves the people it was meant to serve, which was originally women. It was supposed to be that idea of women have been shamed so long for their sex, femmes have been shamed so long for the so for so long for their sex, and now sex positivity has allowed people to be free, right? And to be able to have the sex they want without the fear of being seen as like, you know, too much. But now there's this 
other part where because people have been taking sex positivity in a weird sort of watered down, you know, sound bite way, like people are like have this fear of not being seen as sex positive enough, right? So one woman, one um sort of sex therapist was talking about on IG how, you know, there's been a lot of women who've reached out to her who are like, they have, they've been doing things in bed that they may not necessarily have wanted to do because they didn't want to be seen as not sex positive enough and be dumped for somebody who's quote unquote more willing, right? However, my argument against like the people who push back and be like, no, sex positivity is like taking away love and it's taking away, you know, agency and it's actually not serving anyone is that like other popularized things are watered down bite-sized version of sex positivity is like what's wandering around these Cardi B run streets, right? So we're all here screaming wap, 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 but we don't actually unpack what having a WAP is, right? Outside of the logistics of it, like, you know, outside of like, oh, I'm so freaky and tickle the thing at the back of my neck. Like, we're not actually unpacking what sex positive is, uh, sex positivity is in terms of wants and desires and understandings of consent and understandings of your past, etc. right? It's not just about being down to swing from the chandeliers, but also understanding the whole spectrum of things that come when you engage with other bodies. Oh, your body. You know, there's the socialization. There's the past. There's the traumas. There's the context. There's the, you know, future. There's the things you have access to, to the things you don't have access to, the intersectionality of your identities. Like, there's so much to think about other than just having a whap, guys. There's so much more, right? So, now that I have, you know, wax lyrical and I'm on my soapbox, I'm going to put another box on my soapbox and break down some tri- tips and tricks for figuring out if you are high key, high key sex positive, right? Not just in the streets shouting things, right? Not just in the streets. So, number one, understanding sexuality is vast and there's no normal or, cor- or correct way to feel desire. Keeping consent at the core of everything, it is essential in all interactions. Fostering tolerance for identities, orientations, and consensual sexual practices. This means no slut shaming, guys. No homophobia. Even no straight phobia, guys. Come on now. Let's leave that in 2021 with the pandemic, right? Knowing everyone is entitled to comprehensive sex education that teaches the way sex works in terms of our bodies, safety, choice, pleasure, and pleasure without moral judgment, shaming, or pressure, right? So now to go on, some extra understandings around sex positivity. Having sex is healthy, but so is not having sex. Come on, my people, say it with me now. Having sex is healthy, but so is not having sex. Sex positivity doesn't mean you're just always like finger deep inside someone or dick deep inside someone or, you know, inside someone all the time. That's not what it means. Also, need to stop glamorizing sex, right? Once you're sex positive, you don't have to be talking about sex all the time. You don't have to be having sex all the time. You don't have to be sexy all the time. That was one thing I struggled with, right? Um, when I went into my sex positivity, I was like, yar, I'm not having sex all the time. Also, I'm not like serving like, you know, lingerie on the internet streets all the time. I was pole dancing though. I did fall into that trap. 
<laughs> of sex positive people who pole dance. I fell into that trap. But like, it took a while to just be like, you know what? I can be frumpy and I can be frumpy on a panel and I can just be whatever and still be talking about sex and I should be taken seriously, right? Or not talking about sex. I actually tend to tweet a lot about space. I really love tweeting about space, guys. Anyway, check your sh- your your slut shaming. Slut shaming also includes shaming people who are more out of the box than you and more in the box than you with their sexuality and also people who like are into different things. So you can be into some wild things and then you can slut shame people who are into different wild things. Slut shaming goes always, my people. Another tenant of sex positivity is knowing yourself. And this isn't just knowing yourself in terms of masturbation and having looked at your, you know, your vulva and etc. and having looked at your penis and found new ways to wax your own butthole and things like that. But knowing yourself in terms of your triggers, your past, your traumas, um, your ups and downs, because that is all a part of sex positivity and part of knowing your sex, right? So like, even when you're thinking about like your sex, like thinking about, what is this doing for me? How do I feel afterwards? How is my sex life impacting other areas of my life? Just because you feel like doing something sexually doesn't mean you have to, right? Doesn't mean it's always good for you. Number five, the next tenant of sex positivity is listen, listen, listen. Listen to yourself. Listen to others. Listen to podcasts. Well done. At least you're doing that now, right? Just listen. Engage with people. Engage with others about their sex positivity and engage with your own sex positivity. Number six, Consent. I'm just, I'm, I consent. Just consent, guys. Consent is necessary in lots of forms. Enthusiastic consent is important, even if it can lead to sometimes less quote unquote wild sex. Like checking in, finding out where people are. It leads back to point number five of listening. Just stopping and starting the sex, stopping and starting the interaction, having like big conversations before the sex. Consent, guys. Number seven, just because it doesn't turn you on doesn't mean it's wrong. Back to the slut shaming thing, guys. We don't do that. And number eight, which is the last one, is intimacy is complex. For some people, sex is easy, but for others, it can be heavy. It can be confusing. It can be ups and downs. You cannot want to have sex. You can do want to have sex. You can be in different spaces about sex. So understanding that intimacy is complex. It's not all just casual orgies and running through fields of daisies naked. That's not just what sex positivity is. But anyway, I've wrapped it up. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to say thank you, but you know what you need to do. You need to like this podcast. You need to follow it. You need to follow us on Basically Life, um, the Instagram. You need to follow Holla on Twitter. But you also need to leave us a five-star review, right? And you need to share this podcast with everyone. Then you need to listen again because we like views. Or is it listens? I don't know. Streams. I don't know what it's called. But you need to do the things, right? And you need to also... Remember that this is basically life. And I am your host, Tiff Moogle, telling you to calm your tits. Life is not always that serious.